Pastor Chris Durkin from Colts Neck Community Church. We just wanted to welcome you wherever you may be, even though we are all separated now geographically because of this virus. We are united spiritually, united around a hope, united around the idea that not only does God still sit on his throne, but he is at work for his glory and the good of his people during this very difficult, unique, and trying time. Not just for New Jersey, not just for the United States of America, but the whole world right now is looking for hope. We're glad that you tuned in on whatever device you may be watching. But we also hope and pray that you would share this, that you would let people know that they can tune in. Today is the National Day of Prayer. So we're going to sing, we're going to pray, we're going to teach from Psalm 91, and we hope that as we prepare and as we are wise, we would also not be a people given to panic, but we would be a people that stand on the truth of what we know of who God is. So before we sing, and this is going to be a short little broadcast, probably about 45, 50 minutes. We hope you have coffee. We hope that you have family. We hope that you also have a Bible because today's call to worship church, March 15th, during all of these trials and challenges. While we have never seen anything quite like this in recent memory, God's word has not, will not change. This morning's call to worship is from the Psalms, Psalm 20. This is the word of the Lord. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and give you support from Zion. May he remember all your offerings and regard with favor all your burnt sacrifices. Now, now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer them from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. Some trust, listen friends, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They will collapse and fall, but we rise. We rise and stand upright. Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Even in the face of this global pandemic, we know that you are bigger. We know that you are better. So help us to believe, help us to love, and help us to trust in your goodness, your presence, as your word leads us in worship this morning. We pray all of this in the good name of our good Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's sing together, church. Let's worship in our kitchens, in our living rooms, wherever you may be. Let us sing the hope that we have and worship together. Trial and the change. 
runs out on me. Your love never fails and never gives up, never runs out on me. You are. You are. 
Welcome, everyone. Thank you again for tuning in to this live broadcast of our Sunday morning worship service. If you missed our call to worship just moments ago, here is our heartbeat that even though due to this virus, we would be separated geographically, that we could still be united spiritually, that as we turn to God, to his word, to his gospel, that we can continue to love one another, pray for one another, and care for one another. We can continue to be the church even if we are not gathering at the church building. So what we're going to do now is I'm going to give you some opportunities and some updates. But as you listen, I also encourage you to find a Bible. We'll be turning to the uh, book of Psalms in the middle of your Bible, Psalm 91, for our study. And as you're finding a Bible or perhaps turning to the Bible on your website, we also encourage you to pray. What we're going to do now, as the president recommended, we are going to have a moment of national prayer where we're going to be praying not only for those infected by this coronavirus, but praying for those who are on the front lines, praying for those who are most vulnerable, and praying for those that the Lord has placed to help us be healers and to be helpers. So, here at Coltsdale Community Church, as we endure this global threat together, our online presence is going to be more important now than ever. So if you've never visited our church website before, we encourage you to go to coltsneckchurch.com, where you'll not only find upcoming uh, events, potential events, but you'll also find places where we will be putting out daily content. We'll be putting out a blog every single day this week on how we as Christians can continue to love one another well during this trial. You can also find on the website, it's very, very easy, very, very intuitive, a way to give as we continue to worship through not only our time, our talent, but our treasure. There's a way to give online as well. But here is my encouragement before we pray. This disease has many different names, but one of the technical names is called COVID-19. Here is my encouragement during this season of trial. I'm going to call it the Bible 19 challenge. The Bible 19 challenge. Here is what it is. As we watch the news and as we continue to stay informed, what will help us to not only not panic, but also to help us to continue to love and to care for those in need are two things. Here's what I'm going to ask everyone to do. This is called the COVID-19 because it was discovered in 2019. I'm going to ask everyone to write down, literally write down 19 names of people that during this trial, every single day, every single day that you're going to pray for, 19 people you're going to pray for. And here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. Go to the Bible and then write down, set aside 19 promises of God, 19 promises of God that you can stand on, that you and your family could put your hope in, that when you are feeling discouraged during this difficult trial, you can look to and find hope. 19 people to pray for, 19 promises from God. I also want to let you know that if you have any specific prayer requests, you can email me directly. My email is chris at coltsneckchurch.com. The pastors, the deacons will not only be praying, but we're also creating a network of people 
to serve those who are most at risk. So if you know someone, perhaps someone who is a senior, someone who is sick, that needs groceries, we're creating a team that will go out and get the groceries and deliver them to people's houses. The church has been so encouraging, they've been reaching out to me constantly and offering ways to help. So we're going to continue to think of these creative ways that we as a church can continue to be the church, even as we try to control the spread of this virus and we have this social distancing. So if you need something, please let us know. We are actively, prayerfully at work during this time of not only national, but truly global trial. So with that said, we're going to take the, um, the admonition of our president and we're going to pray. I hope if you have not already, you found a Bible. And if you have kids near you, go ahead and give them a hug. Give them a big kiss. Tell them it's going to be okay. And um, let's open the Bible up, not only as individuals, but as families. And let's pray together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. That in the face of this global epidemic, this virus that has touched so many people, whether it's the literal virus or it's the fear of the virus, the whole world is asking questions, God. The whole world is seeking, God. The whole world can be filled with fear, God. So Heavenly Father, let us be a people of faith. Let us be a people that look not only to the trial, to the virus. And yes, as we carefully and wisely prepare and plan, let us be a people of hope and purpose. Let us continue to pray for our president, pray for our leadership, pray for the CDC, pray for those who are on the front lines in the hospitals, the doctors and the nurses. Pray for those who have been infected by this disease for healing and hope. Pray for those that are about to get tested and they are filled with fear. Father God, we do ask and pray for a vaccine. We pray, Lord, that you would raise up the medicine. You would raise up those doctors and you would provide a way that we could find healing, not only for us as a country, but us as a global people. But now, Lord, we call upon you as Christians, as those who know Christ, who follow Christ. May we be attentive to your word. May we be filled with your love. And may we never lose hope in the face of any trial, any pestilence, or any storm. Give us that hope, we pray in Jesus' good name. Amen. Psalm 91 says this. Psalm 91, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, My refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. <clears throat> Billy Graham, many people know the name Billy Graham, a very influential evangelist. Before he went on to the Lord, to be with the Lord, he said this about the Bible. He said, the Bible is more modern than tomorrow morning's newspaper. That the Bible is more modern than tomorrow morning's newspaper. 
In fact, when we turn to the Bible, we can learn so much about God's character, his nature, his attributes, not only in general, but specifically when God's people have faced trials like this. When pestilence has come, and there is examples of it in Scripture, we can learn to see how God has spoken, God has worked, God has moved. And yes, the hope of Psalm 91 is that God has protected. God is present with his people. So often the case with Psalm 91, there would be some kind of context, some kind of um, word before the psalm as far as who wrote the psalm. In Psalm 91, there is not, which I think is absolutely beautiful and poetic as if to say whether it's David or whether it's the sons of Korah or whether it's Solomon or Moses who wrote the psalm, the Bible says of itself, Jesus said of the psalms that it's all inspired by God. But here in Psalm 91, we know that very, very clearly, that God himself is the author. Even though it was a human voice, even though it was a worship song, that many, many believers in God lifted their voice to heaven to sing, God is the one who directs us to look at his word because we have to believe this, that even though it seems like this daily disease is changing every day, God's word does not. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that in a world filled with a lot of bad news, we could still hold up the scriptures. And it is always and forever good news. So as we continue to teach the Bible on what the Bible says about moments like these, unique moments in history like these, we hope that you would not only study the Bible with us now, but you would get very familiar with the Bible because Billy Graham is right. What has happened today has happened in the past. And what we can learn is not only historical information, but when we believe it leads to true heart transformation and we can be encouraged even as we are prepared. So the Bible doesn't just tell us about what happened in the past. It doesn't just tell us about what happened in the past. It tells us about what always happens. And right now, as a culture and as a people, we are at a crossroads. Right now, we will ask the question, God, where are you in the midst of this virus? Even if the virus gets worse, and even if, God forbid, people we know get sick from it, we will be tested. We will be led to ask the question, God, where are you in the midst of this trial? So Psalm 91 is one of those psalms that people have turned to from generation to generation in all kinds of different trials. I remember when the World Trade Center went down on 9-11 in 2001, and I remember as those numbers 9-11 became embedded in our minds, I turned to Psalm 91. And now we, here we are 19 years later, as we're feeling the effects of COVID-19, I think it's Beautiful to turn to Psalm 91 again and find not only hope in its words, but let it lead us to the one who is with us. So as you just heard, the Bible says, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. There's many different names that the Bible uses for God. 
many different ways to understand who he is and how he works and how good and holy and justice and just he is. Here it describes him as the most high. He who dwells in the most high, he who dwells in the most high will abide in the shadow of the almighty. So that word most high, the actual Hebrew is Elohim Elohim, which literally means the most God. When you read the most high, it literally means the most God. He who is the one who is the most God. Now we understand most high on a daily basis. We're familiar with when we use the term of high, it's not just necessarily as far as physical height, but no, it also speaks to power, speaks to influence. It speaks to posture. So when it's talking about God being the most high, the most God, that means that he is in fact greater, greater than any problem we face, greater than any global pandemic that we might be experiencing. God is most God. So the truth is height conveys, conveys the idea of superiority and power in strength and authority. So the God most high or the Lord most high means that there is no God, there's no idol or created being that should be worshipped or exalted above Yahweh, the covenanted God of Israel, of God's people, of those who trust in God's son, Jesus Christ. So here is the truth. Our understanding of who God is will impact and affect everything we do. Here, think of it this way. A low view of God will lead to a high fear of suffering. A low view of God will lead to a high fear of death. Now, this doesn't mean, per se, that those of us who trust that God is high, highest, the most God, that we won't struggle, we won't feel fear. And of course, we know in this life, we are waiting for the Lord's return or each of us, should the Lord tarry, will have to feel the effects on this mortal flesh of death itself. The Bible calls it the last enemy. But here's my point. When the Bible says we should dwell in the shelter of the Most High, what we're doing, what we're choosing is to trust, not in ourselves, but in His goodness his providence, his presence. And when we understand that he still sits on his throne, that gives us true lasting hope. A.W. Tozer put it like this. Listen, friends. He said, while it looks like things are out of control behind the scenes, there is a God who has not squandered his authority. Romans chapter 8 verse 28 says it like this. We know that those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, all things work together for good. All things. So here's the truly life-changing truth. Is that for those of us that have been saved by God, those of us that have been loved by God, know God we believe that God is working all things for our good. So God never wastes our suffering. He never wastes it. Even now, even right now, he's at work for your good. He not only that, 
not only wastes our suffering, he never wastes our waiting. That as we wait and as we worry, friends, I know many of you, your employees or your business owners, and you're wondering how this is all going to pan out. How are you going to pay the bills? You're perhaps an elderly person and you're nervous about getting this disease. Continue to be prepared, but also know that God doesn't waste your waiting. God doesn't waste global pandemics. He is going to somehow, some way, work for his glory and our good in the middle of this difficult time. So what do we need to do? We need to dwell. We need to dwell in the shadow and the shelter of the Most High. This is the good news, that he who is highest descended into our world, that he who is above all became in Christ. He who commands us to dwell with him dwelt with us. The Gospel of John says the word Jesus took on flesh and dwelt among us. So this is the good news. The good news of Jesus Christ is not that we need to climb our way up to God. Know that God descended and is with us. Martin Lloyd-Jones puts it like this. The gospel is not man reaching up. It is God coming down. And that's what he's done in Jesus Christ. And that's what he's doing right now through his Holy Spirit. We just need to believe it. Friends, we need to receive it. We need to think beyond and past and deeper than what our fears might be saying to us over and over again. So that's why verse 2 is very important if you're looking at your Bible. Psalm 91 verse 2 says, I will say, I will say of the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Notice now the psalmist is saying, I will say. And I love this. Because there is something powerful something uniquely encouraging about saying what we believe. And sure enough, that's what's going to happen in this psalm. The psalmist is saying, I will say. It's very, very helpful in your family, in your workplace, to speak the truth of the hope that you have. Say the words, sing the words, rejoice in who God is. But the reason why the psalmist says, I will say, is it, it's important to say it. But he not only says, I will say, but he says, I will say because God will do. If you're looking at your Bible, look at verse 3. Verse 3, it promises that God will deliver you from the snare of the the fowler. Verse 4, God will cover you with his pinions. Verse 11, God will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all of your ways. And then verse 14 and 15, God says in the first person, I will deliver him. I will protect him. I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and I will honor him. Oh, we can see why people love this psalm. Now, here's here's the real challenge. How do we understand this, interpret this, in light of the fact that not everyone will stay perfectly healthy? And this really is the true meaning of the psalm. How do we interpret this psalm when perhaps a loved one of yours gets sick? We still pray it. We still believe it. We still pray it over our homes and our families, but we make sure that we interpret it in light of what the Bible says. Meaning that you could turn to the book of Job. 
the book of Job, which is a powerful story of God's uh, persevering strength in the face of true suffering. Job, who lost business. Job, who lost livestock. Job, who lost cattle. God forbid, Job, who even lost children and his health. He was put through a real trial. But the Bible says, while we are all sinners in need of grace, it says that Job was a good man. So why did all that trouble come? Did the promises of Psalm 91 fail Job? Or, in John chapter 9, as we've been studying on Sunday mornings, there's a blind man, a man who was born blind from birth, and people come to him. The disciples ask Jesus, who sinned, this blind man or his parents? And Jesus says, neither this man or the man's parents caused this blindness. It was, in fact, something that God allowed to happen so that his work could be accomplished. Ultimately, we have a decision to make, friends. I'm going to be as honest with you as I possibly can. There is hope of protection. There is hope of presence. There is hope of perseverance and endurance. But we either translate and interpret this passage according to Jesus' interpretation or according to Satan's interpretation. Did you know that Satan taught on this verse? It's true. You don't have to go to some terrible cultic book. No, you go to your Bible. You could turn to Matthew chapter 4, where Jesus, yes, in a similar way, he is in isolation for 40 days and 40 nights. He is fasting. It's right after his baptism. And he is being tempted by none other than Lucifer himself, than Satan himself. And in his time, Jesus' time of physical need, in his time of physical weakness, that was exactly when the enemy preyed upon Jesus and tried to twist God's word to lead Jesus to worship him. One of the ways that this lying, slithering serpent, the liar, the accuser, Jesus would describe him as the father of lies, tried to deceive Jesus was to use God's word against Jesus. And what did Satan do? Well, you can read about it in Matthew chapter 4. It says this in verse 5. Then the devil took Jesus to the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. What Satan is referring to is Scripture itself. It says here in Psalm 91 verse 11, For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your, your foot against the stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion, and now notice, the serpent you will trample underfoot. So here it is. It's the serpent literally using God's word to try and deceive Jesus about what? That he wouldn't have to suffer. Do we allow Satan to deceive us into some kind of false gospel? No, friends, Jesus Christ came to not only experience our joys and our pleasures, but he was a man who came to suffer. He was a man who would go to the cross. He is a man 
who is a familiar with pain. He is familiar with isolation. He is familiar with those around him that loved him, not only denying him, but leaving him in his darkest hour. Jesus Christ, the one who wore the crown of thorns. Jesus Christ, the one who was scourged. And as Isaiah 53 says, by his stripes we are healed. Jesus Christ, the one whose hands and feet were nailed to a Roman torture device. Jesus Christ knew his purpose. Yes, he was coming to save us. Yes, he would come and heal us. Yes, he would come and deliver us. But first and foremost, first and foremost, we needed healing from something that is more dire than any disease. We needed deliverance from the plague of sin. We needed deliverance from the plague of pride and self. So Satan says, Psalm 91, Jesus, the Bible says it. God said it. Why don't you test him in it? There is a difference between trusting God and testing God. So that's part of the reason that we believe that God will work for his glory and our good during this time. We want to trust God. We're not going to be a people given to fear and panic. We're just not, right, Christians? Christians, we're not. We're not. And yet we're not going to tempt God. We're going to trust him no matter what may come. We're going to continue to work for his glory no matter what tomorrow may bring because we truly believe that God is bigger and better than not only perfect health, but even scary, dangerous viruses. Jesus would say this later in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 23. His heart is breaking. He's looking at his city, the city of Zion, and he calls out and he says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills prophets and stones those who sent to it. How often, listen, how often I would have gathered you, gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you were not willing. Jesus looks over Jerusalem. Jesus looks over this city and he is filled with sadness because he is willing to bring all of his people under his protection from the coming storm of judgment and wrath. And yet they were not willing. So when we hear Psalm 91 give us this beautiful promise, let us stand on it. Let us believe it. But let us also share the hope that we have. Because I do believe that this virus, while it is serious and dangerous, I do believe we're going to get through this and be stronger because of it. But friends, the most important, the most essential question is, do you know and have you trusted Jesus Christ with your heart? Do you hear him saying, not Jerusalem, Jerusalem? But do you hear him saying to you, whatever your name may be, whatever your family may be, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I've longed to bring you in under my protection. How I've longed that you would come and know me, your Savior, know your Heavenly Father, know the presence, the comfort, and the power of the Spirit. But you weren't willing. You weren't willing. 
Jesus was willing not only to give us protection, not only to give us power and perseverance, he was willing to be meek. He was willing to suffer. He was willing even to die so that you could live, so that our sins could be atoned for, so that we could find forgiveness from all of our past, present, and future mistakes. There's hope for you. There's grace for you. Would you look to him now? Would you trust in him now? And would you hear Psalm 91 spoken to you now? Verse 3, For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. No, as Psalm 91 says, because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue and honor him with long life. I will satisfy and show him salvation. That life can begin today. Not just the life of a beating heart. Not just the life of a healthy body. No, one day our health will betray us. This life is abundant life. This life is eternal life. And the invitation would be to receive Jesus, to find cover under the shadow and the shelter of his wings, and to know that you're loved, to know that he loves you, and to know that even in the face of a global pandemic, God is still in control. Would you believe that with me this morning? Would you look not to necessarily what the world might say? Would you look to what the word will say? Pray with me now, and let's trust in the Lord together. Let's pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for your grace. I pray that you use this technology, that you would use this live stream to give people hope. People will be sacrificing for one another. People will be serving one another. People will be giving of themselves for one another. And may we do that. May we honor God. But most of all, Lord, we know that you're using this terrible virus for your glory. May whoever's hearing my voice hear your voice and trust and believe that they're loved, that God loved them so much that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. May we find shelter under his wings. Friend, if you want to believe in Christ, say this simple prayer with me in your heart. What matters the most is the Holy Spirit intersecting with your heart and you trusting in Jesus. But use this prayer as a guide. Heavenly Father, say it to the Lord. Please forgive me of my sin. Give me faith instead of fear. Come into my heart and help me to put my trust in you. We pray this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Friends, this probably is not the last time we will be doing a live stream. Keep checking our Facebook page. 
We will hopefully be on YouTube in the upcoming week, as well as simulcasting through other venues. We love you. Reach out to the church if you need anything. God bless you. Be prepared. Be wise. Be smart. But don't be given to panic. God is good, and he still sits on his throne, and he still loves you very much. God bless you, and thank you for turning in.